G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Now, we may be in 2022, but unfortunately, we are still in a pandemic and we're still being safe. And therefore, this recording is being done uh, via uh, online, not in the studio. So as I said before the the break, this is really important. So volumes and things may not be quite as crisp as they would be if we were doing in the studio, but we're doing our best. And as usual, we just want to keep this show rolling along. And the nice thing is, is our students keep wanting to come on the show. So with that, today I'd like to introduce you to Lama Mukahal, who is doing a postdoctoral fellowship now in in the Department or School of Computing in the cybersecurity area under the supervision of Dr. Mohammed Zolkanine. Welcome to Grad Chat, Lama. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. And I, I hope I just had a good break, whatever you actually were able to do in the break. Yeah. All right. So with that, now we are in 2022. Of course, Lama is our first actual student interview for this year. We had our session last week where I gave you a bit of an overview of what's going to be happening in grad studies this year. So, uh, you know, Lama is one of those straight off the press, first time for the new year. So fantastic. Thank you for that. Now, I noticed you did your previous studies at the Lebanese American University. So what made you want to come to Canada and specifically to Queen's to continue your education? Well, Canada has one of the best universities in the world. And Queen's was running a new program, which is the Create Cybersecurity Program, and encouraging students to get specialized in cybersecurity specifically. So we're not only... Uh, doing our research in computer science, but we get a specific degree also in cybersecurity, which was a new program at Queen's. Oh, that's awesome. I hate to say it. I didn't know that at the time. I knew we did these sorts of different fields within computing. So that's yeah. fantastic. So are you one of the first cohorts of this new field? Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's that's a pretty good reason for coming over to Canada and to Queen's and Maybe at the end I can ask you how how you're handling winters and things like that. (laughs) I know it was a bit of a bit crazy for me when I first came over trying to get used to the cold in in the same way. And I imagine it would be the same for you coming from a nice warm climate. I actually imagined that it would be worse. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Just fine, yeah. Getting the right gear is the key maybe. Right. Well, I hate to tell you this, Lama, but sometimes the end of January, February can be colder. So (laughs) So you still need your woolies, as we say. (laughs) So your research topic, as you said, you're in the cybersecurity field, which is fantastic, but you're looking specifically at automotive systems. But cybersecurity in general is a big topic. All right. But, But again, like I said, you're looking at automotive systems. 
which also is actually a big topic right now. I remember at the start of the pandemic with, you know, the closures of borders, um, whether it was safe to still use the trucks to still get goods and services to, you know, Canada, US, backwards and forwards, where some of them were using these long haul trucks that were automated, that they were driverless and things like, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. So you don't have to worry about picking up COVID crossing the border. But of course, Anything that's got electronic can be hacked. <laughs> I, I would <laughs> um, d- hesitant to say, but I think that's tr- correct. So I guess my question here is, first of all, can you give us a bit of uh, an overview of what your research is actually trying to do? And then I've got some other little questions with nuggets that I'd like to ask you. Of course. So first of all, so connected autonomous vehicles are actually the future of connected transport. It is projected that by 2024, the number of autonomous or semi-autonomous vehicles on the roads will surpass 54 million. So this being said, we're putting a lot of money and a lot of effort into enhancing connected autonomous vehicles, which, and the purpose of connected autonomous vehicles is making safer driving, transporting, and have the utmost safety. But at the same time, to have these features, we are adding a lot of software and connectivity. And as you said, anything that includes software, this means it's hackable. So while we are aiming to make things safer, the risk is increasing in terms of cyber attacks. And my research is trying to make connected autonomous vehicles safer and more reliable by increasing the security of the system in connected autonomous vehicles. So that's the purpose of my research. Which is awesome. I mean, it always brings to mind, you know, the movies we see these days where someone's driving along and someone hacks in and either makes them stop or speed up or go in completely the opposite direction because they've taken over the vehicle, which is always a bit bit scary. And It's scary and it's not going to be in movies anymore. So it's going to be a reality. In reality. Yeah, very soon. And it's already happening. The number of cyber attacks uh, on vehicles is increasing. And we have seen a, a spike since 2018 in the number of cyber incidents that occurred on vehicles. So this number is increasing, yeah. So is this occurring on vehicles that are still driven by humans or is this attacks on vehicles that ha- are driverless? Yeah. So currently on the roads, we are seeing vehicles that have software components. So we use, for example, on our vehicles, adaptive cruise control. And adaptive cruise control Mm -hmm. uses software to drive the car, right? So anything has software. Even our keyless key is actually has some software. So that's why we are are saying semi-autonomous vehicles, because they are not fully automated, but they have a certain autonomy in them, which makes them hackable. So that's why we are are now witnessing some uh, cyber incidents. Another example on that is I always think it it does worry me about our vehicles being having more electronics in them, because if something goes wrong, it's not like before you just open the bonnet or what do they call it here? The hood of the car and you, you fiddle with a few things and next minute, you know, Bob's your uncle, it's working again. When it comes to electronics, you know, where do you even start looking? And, you know, having to get out of a car quickly and you can't open your door. Well, it's not so easy to unwind your window anymore because it's electronic. So, yeah, and I have to break it. All those little things always come to mind with the amount of electronics, like you said, that are in vehicles. Even though they're not completely driverless, they've still got a lot of components that are relying on the yeah. computer or the software, as you're saying. Yeah. 
Here's a quick fact. So actually, connected autonomous vehicles are one of the largest systems in terms of lines of code. They currently contain 100 million lines of code, and they are expected to have 300 million lines of code. That's why cybersecurity becomes key when we talk about connected autonomous vehicles. But we are taking into consideration all the scenarios that you just mentioned. So we are the autonomous industry is making sure that such scenarios won't be applicable. So they're trying their best to, to assure the safety of passengers before releasing fully autonomous vehicles. So before going into, because I did have another question on that too, about this, you know, where do you start on this? But I'm going to get get back to that. You, you're talking about the number of cyber attacks that happen these days. Is it to any particular type of vehicle? You know, like for instance, is high-end cars more susceptible to cybersecurity or long-haul vehicles? Or is it just everyday vehicle that Joe Blow can afford? All type of vehicles, everyday vehicles can be uh, can be prone to cyber attacks. Like we have we have witnessed uh, a number of thefts thefts in Ottawa, and they were related to uh, software components. So the the thieves could achieve their target using some hacking tools uh, right. to steal the vehicles. So any kind of vehicle that has software components, and now vehicles are being coming connected also to internet. So connectivity and software, this combination increase the, uh, the attack surface and make them more prone to cyber attack. Right. What, when you're looking at this, I'm, I'm going now to sort of priorities, because if you're looking at cyber attacks and you're looking at all the different pieces of software within a vehicle, like you said, there's lots of it. Yeah. So when, you know, where do you start in trying to stop the cyber attacks? Do you start at the, the software that's related to the driving part of it or the brakes or, or do you start with the easy components like they can't get into the window or something? I mean, or unlock the door. So, so where, do you, where do you even start looking when there are so many different pieces of software within a vehicle? So that's one of the th- things that we try to look into in our research, actually. So we, to assure security, you have to make sure that security considerations they are considered during all the software development lifecycle in any component. Because if you don't make, make sure that a component is secure, it can actually allow the propagation of a malicious attack to another component. So okay. we have to make sure that all the components are secure. Yeah, everything related to software must be secure. Of course, that's when prioritization come in hand because there are some certain components that are more prone to attacks than other components. And then these components are given a special treatment when talking about cybersecurity. They are tested more. We apply stricter security measures to them. And in terms of, I would say, like physical security, you talked about uh, windows and things like that. They are definitely connected because if you if you could break a window, for example, you'll be able to connect to the board of the of the vehicle and then right. make any any kind of attack easily. So right. of course, entry points are very important, even like the physical ones. Right. Good point all around there. And so that sort of leads me to the point which I think your work is. You're not actually working um here's a car let's see how we can do it you're actually looking at the software components that a vehicle or a company wants to use within their vehicle and making sure that structure is fine before it's given to them to be able to put into their vehicle i've understood that correctly exactly yeah we're making sure what that uh, the software components that are being used and embedded in vehicle are free of vulnerabilities which are used by attackers to establish a malicious behavior. 
So do the vehicle companies, say the, some of these big car companies, do they come to people like yourselves and saying, we want this feature in our vehicle, can you produce it and at the same time make it safe? Or do they just get their own people and then just hope it's going to be all right and then only when they get attacked go, oh, we need to do something else and then come and say, help. Mm-hmm. So that's a very good question, actually, because the strategy was, hmm, that's not secure, let's get help. But now, recently, in, uh, in last September, the standard with ISO and SAE, which is the Society of Automotive Engineers, forced all the automotive industry to start considering cybersecurity from the initial phases of the development and not afterwards. So from okay. now on, all vehicles are going to be considered, like they will reach out to researchers and cybersecurity experts to start considering cybersecurity from the initial phases of the development in order to have secure vehicles because they realized otherwise we're not going to have a completely resilient vehicles and right. it will be not reliable you're always so, trying to do the old catch exactly. up and you know you yeah. you get those little notices saying recall recall you know exactly. this this component's <laughs> not working or not safe anymore yeah. you need to yeah. bring yeah. it back that kind yes. of thing. Okay, well, that, that's that's good to know. It makes you feel a little bit better that they're actually doing it in the right order. <laughs> yes. From now on, they have to. Uh, it started to become mandatory starting September. Yeah. So you mentioned just uh, earlier that you, something about the, the parts and things in Ottawa, what was going on in Ottawa. So with your research, are you... I mean, you're obviously clearly looking at, you know, how can we make certain software safe? But where, where are you getting your research for? Are, are you looking further afield and saying what's, you know, what's been happening in the States? What's been happening here? What's been happening in, say, Europe or, or anything like that? Is Are you looking at that to see what problems are happening and then going to your software to find a solution? Of course. So I would say connected autonomous vehicles is a relatively new field. So there's no much about cybersecurity in terms of software engineering, specifically with respect to connected autonomous vehicles. So we didn't only look into connected autonomous vehicles when we started our research. We tried to see other solutions too and tried to apply them to connected autonomous vehicles to see if they are going to help us making them more secure and resilient to cyber attacks. And when we're we're talking about the Uh, a big industry like the automotive industry, there are many standards, well-established international security standards that are now being developed and putting restrictions on uh, the automotive industry. And when you want to provide a good solution and hope that this solution will be adopted by the industry, you have to look at these international security standards like the European uh, international standard for uh, the automotive industry. They have many rules and and in Europe, there are many uh, automotive in, uh, automakers. So mm-hmm. we, we definitely looked what they are implying, what policies they are putting, what solutions they are working on in order to have our a unique research that can actually be benefiting for the uh, automotive industry. So we took into consideration all different standards from the US, from the Europe. And that's, our research. Yeah. that's really, really good. And I would imagine, too, with some of the things that you may be able to find, apart from being may be applicable across the world in automotive then they could people could use similar models potentially say for the airline industry with planes 
Yeah. I think about that. I like I, to fly. <laughs> I want to make sure no one's taken over my plane. So, you know, it, it can be transferred to other things to stop that cybersecurity um, issue that, that we yeah. have. And especially that, like, airplanes have similar characteristics to vehicles. Like, mm-hmm. they, they are going to be in the future connected to different communication means. They have many software already. But the good thing about airplanes is that they are safer, I agree, because any, any kind of software they want to embed in an airplane, they test it for long hours and they try their best to, to make it secure. Can you use examples then from the plane industry mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. their software the other way? Can you use what they're doing now and start with that and saying, well, how is this applicable now to vehicles on the ground? You know, rather than starting from scratch, can we use this to, to start and then see what can be used for this particular instance? Yeah, definitely. With some like uh, certain modifications, we can we are being able to use like from well-established industries uh, solutions and put them into uh, use for the connected autonomous vehicles. But the thing is, connected autonomous vehicles have several characteristics that makes them different from other software systems. For okay. example, they are connected to different communication means. Like they use Bluetooth, GPS, vehicle-to-vehicle communication, vehicle-to-infrastructure communication. So they are going to be connected uh-huh. to different means, and each mean is going to expose them to different kind of attacks. Attack. And another fact is that software in connected autonomous vehicles is much, much complex and larger than the software in airplanes. So that's another factor that we should take into consideration when when we want to take a soft a solution in another industry and put it in connected autonomous vehicles. So how do you try and even control those different connectivities? You talked about GPS and Bluetooth. I mean, they're not necessarily under your control. I mean, you can see a vehicle. Here's a vehicle. Here's the components in the vehicle and the, and the software within that vehicle. But as soon as it leaves the vehicle into the cloud or whatever we want to call it, how do you control that part for and to reduce risk of cybersecurity? Or is that too big a question? <laughs> <laughs> so we're not, so we're, the purpose is to, to protect the vehicle. So we are trying to make sure that whatever comes to the vehicle is not suspicious and is not right. a malicious behavior. But otherwise, it's like the responsibility then of the cloud to make sure that whatever is received from vehicles are, is not a suspicious Okay, behavior. good point. I forgot yeah. about that. It's you're stopping things getting into the system. Exactly. Yeah. Not necessarily so, the other way yeah. around. So okay. our purpose is to protect the, the vehicle on the road. And, it's and kind of like what's been happening with the pandemic. You know, we want to inhibit that coronavirus getting into our system. So that's what we're trying to do there. And this is just a flipped on using a vehicle. So with all of this, with with whatever you're going to be able to come up with, and and this is going to be something I imagine is never going to go away. So you've got yourself a job for life by the sounds of it. (laughs) When you're looking at cybersecurity, (laughs) I mean, that that area is not going to go away, is it? So what what happens with, you know, how does it work in terms of costs and things? Because if we're developing new things, there's usually a cost behind it. And then the cost gets given to the the producer and then to the customer in this mm-hmm. instance and we know customers like you know they some, sometimes get a choice i want this characteristic in the car but i don't necessarily want that and i want this and i don't want that and if they say they don't want that then they're putting themselves at potentially at risk so you know with all the work you're doing is it going to make cars so expensive that no one, except for the the, the wealthy, are going to be able to afford the cars that are the best 
um, protected. Well, you look at the Teslas and things, not everyone can afford a Tesla, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And they've got all the gadgets and things. I'm not saying that they're the safest, but they've got all the gadgets and things where I look at that and go, oh, nice car. No way I can afford something like that. I can only afford this model, which only has this capacity. Is that if I if I can't go to the next level, am I more at risk? So I would imagine uh, similar to mobile phones and everything, as, as we're advancing in technology, developing certain features becoming less, less costly. So definitely now, since it's a new innovation, it's going to be costly. But uh, on the long run, I would say the, the cost of developing such a device or a vehicle is going to be less, and eventually it's going to be affordable for all uh, people. Smart. So there's also like smart cities, like we're approaching towards mm-hmm. smart cities and connectivity in a way in a vehicle is also reliant on having other other vehicles connected and ve- uh, and autonomous right. because they can communicate with each other and then eliminate accidents in any way. So to achieve this, what they are looking for is to have full people using connected autonomous vehicles. And to achieve this, they will never definitely have to reduce the cost at some point. Another thing is that we're using the software from one model to another in a vehicle. So the cost that has been spent on one model is definitely mm-hmm. going to be reduced on another model. So eventually the cost is going to be less. Well, and I guess the other way around it too is that you, you talked about the various regulations and laws in relation to to vehicles, you know, the international standard, the European standards, etc. Maybe it gets put in there. Every car, for instance, has to have this component to protect mm-hmm. you. So you can you can sort of scheme on other areas of the car, but every car has to have this. Like we used to, it, it, it came down to you know with seat belts and um, yeah, you know the the blow up bags if you have an accident from your yeah. airbag. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> blow up bags. <laughs> Hang on a minute, I'm about to have an accident. I have to blow up my airbag. <laughs> that would be difficult. <laughs> So yes, uh, safety uh, safety components are becoming a must. That's true. Uh, that's a very good point, actually. Uh, so is that where you can get yourself in there to make sure everyone has the best exactly. security? Yes, yes, the best security and safety because that's they are correlated requirements, safety and security. So um, yes, there are certain components that are not going to be like optional. And as we move, uh, like uh, they are expecting that in 2050, um, most of the vehicles are going to be of autonomous level four. And when we're talking about autonomy level four, that means drivers' actions are are not really required while driving. So there must be a driver, but um, they don't. There's no need for any interaction from the driver. And right. soon we're then gonna reach as, as autonomy level five, where drivers are not even needed to to be seated and uh, having any control. Well, it might still be nice to have a person in the vehicle to make sure it doesn't get hijacked in other ways. <laughs> so they become <laughs> they become uh, bodyguards of the vehicle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Good approach. <laughs> Yeah, still gives someone a job, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> those sorts of things. So, I mean, you're actually doing your postdoc. Yeah. So congratulations. <laughs> and so Thank I you. guess as your postdoc, you're continuing on with what you started. Yes. Um, and, and, also, and are you hoping some of your work will get to be published, but also put out there in as a business, a yes. business entity? 
So here's like an interesting thing. So I did an internship uh, at Irdetto Canada in uh, summer 2019. And the work I did there was very interesting for them. They felt that the, the automotive industry is highly needing this and still it's not available. So they filed two patent applications for my work and they are hoping that they will start using it in the industry once the patents get approved. That, so hopefully, yes, my research will That's be great. used in the automotive industry. And actually all the components that I worked on in my thesis are published in very good uh, journals and conference conferences. Right. And then hopefully, again, you could get those to be patented and yes, to be used. Be used in the, yeah. That must be very exciting for you. Yeah. <laughs> or scary. <laughs> like after you put a lot of time and effort into your research, it's really satisfying to see that they are going to be useful. So that's definitely like something I'm happy about and satisfied about. Yeah. That's great. Have you, I guess, have you had an opportunity? I know we've had this pandemic that's been mm-hmm. sort of continuing on for way too long for most of us. Have you had an opportunity, I mean, you've published some of your papers, be able to go and present your papers more. You, you mentioned one, but have you been able to be able to go to conferences, whether virtual or virtual. if you're lucky in person? Yeah, yeah virtual, it's all virtual. So, I wasn't lucky. So... <laughs> no, everything, everything was virtual for me. Because <laughs> the, my first year was was in person, but I was like taking courses and right. then, uh, had, had I had an internship. So I didn't have the chance to present any of my work. I presented only in the T-Search uh, conference that was right. taking place at Queen's, but I didn't have any other chances to present in person, uh, though I really enjoy presentations and like interacting with others. I did uh, attend uh, three conferences virtually. Right. Well, I, I imagine you've still got lots that you can tell people, but it's. But I think what's nice is, as you said, this is not going to go away. So it's something we've got to keep on top of because, unfortunately, hackers are getting cleverer and yeah. cleverer. So we yeah. have to try and keep one step ahead, which mm. is not always easy because I don't know about you, but I don't have a devious mind to think about, oh, let's just sneak in, in here and you know upset this this particular vehicle just for the fun of it i mean i don't know how i don't understand people that do that but you've got to keep one step ahead you know what is the crazy person actually thinking because i need to make sure that we block that <laughs> opportunity yeah. for them so uh, you, yeah. you, you must have some good ideas in there saying hmm what would they do next <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing we always have to monitor what attackers are doing because their capabilities are improving over time they are having more tools that facilitate their work they share knowledge which makes the attacking much and much much more easier so we always actually have to keep an eye on attackers and what they are doing and what motivates them to nice. attack a vehicle yes yeah well Best of luck to you on that. That's all I can <laughs> say. But like I said, you've chosen a great field to, you're not going to have any shortages of finding work <laughs> to keep this going. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Lama, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's actually been brilliant to talk to you. And what a great way to start the new year off. So I really do appreciate it. And best of luck with your postdoc thank research. You. Thank you. It's and- my pleasure and anything else that goes on next. And hopefully you will get to be called up to present at various conferences when the world opens up a little bit more for you because I'm sure you've got lots of good information or lots of things to tell people, which I'm sure they'll be interested in. So thank you. Thank you. And I would like to say that 
as you said, cybersecurity is just a, is going to be needed forever. So students should be encouraged to get involved in cybersecurity research. And the School of Computing at Queen's University is doing a great job in supporting its students. So in case they like to, they should apply. Absolutely. Well, that, and I didn't even ask you to do a recruitment pitch, but that's fantastic. <laughs> See, that, that, that means that's genuine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No money under the table whatsoever. So, no, so that's true. fantastic. <laughs> so thank you. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of grad chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Just type in Grand Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.